space, the final frontier. Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly at great length. I am your host today, Kareen, and as ever, I am joined by the lovely Kim. Hello. And the OK Ari. Nice. Well, you know. And today we are talking about, OK, we did some math, this should be right, the 11th and 12th aired episode of the original series, but our 12th episode, The Menagerie. Probably. That sounds correct. It sounds about right. Or as I would like to subtitle this episode, Law and Order STOS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of accurate. Yeah. So for those who have been with us from the very beginning, this episode will have a lot of similarities. <gasps> we Deja vu. Deja vu. So the story behind why this is a two-parter, this is the only two-parter in the original series, is that they were running so behind... Essentially, they were only getting the episodes to NBC three days before they aired. Oh, that's not good. That is on the line. Because it was unprecedented at this time to have so many special effects. So it would take the special effects crew a lot of time to go through things. And so they'd run behind. They were falling behind in production. Mm -hmm. This was a problem. This That actually makes a lot of sense. Because my question was going to be, was this this two-parter made as like a to save money on the budget cuz you should like recycle stuff that they had already filmed and already paid for. It was like a, it was like it was filler basically, an entire episode of filler. I think it was more of like catch up. Yeah. Yeah. And so they had all of this. What they do is they reused the original footage from the cage mm-hmm. and then they put a kind of a frame story or like a bookend story of our the crew that we know and love to explain why they are using all of this footage. And they essentially just show us the entire episode. I don't think there's any part that they didn't. Pretty much the entire episode, yeah. Uh, I felt like there was a few bits and pieces here and there that they cut out, but in general it felt like the whole episode, yeah. Yeah, certainly all the pertinent story bits. Yeah. Yeah, and so in this way they were able to kind of fill up two weeks in November so that they could catch up on production so they weren't constantly falling behind. Mm Mm-hmm. Good plan. It was a good plan. And actually, um, as much as I feel like we're going to rag on this... Oh, going to rag so hard. Um, it actually won a Hugo Award for the best... Oh my gosh, sorry. This is just so weird to say. The best dramatic presentation. Really? Honestly, compared to the pilot, which is the episode that is shoved in as the thing to be replayed... Mm-hmm. during this episode. Um, I do think this does a better job of it. Like, I think this is narratively, writing-wise, everything, I think this is more solid than the pilot was on its own, in a lot of ways. I think it's more interesting, because I think, if you know, if you've listened to our episode about the cage, we hate Pike. Oh, Pike's oh, awful. Yeah. He's oh, useless. We, yeah. we do not care for him. Yeah, so, I mean, as, like, as, as a two-parter episode, this was definitely better than the cage mm-hmm. as an added benefit also we could fast forward through a lot of it so it's yeah it was much less best, time. best way to watch the cage is to fast forward through it in the menagerie but i mean we have to think in terms of if you're originally viewing this 
you would have seen none of the stuff in the cage. You would have seen some weird stills because they used those in the end credits when they were airing the episodes yeah. of like the Green Orion Slave Girl and the different planets that they've never been to. And people Mostly would, the Green Orion Slave Girl. Yeah. yeah, a lot of that. So they would have never seen this footage. And so I guess if you're thinking about it in terms of like a dramatic presentation, yeah. Well, there's also the fact that by the time we get to the Menagerie, um, we're sort of attached to these characters, like the characters that ended up being the cast of this show. So it's a little bit more like emotionally... There's something. There's more to connect. Compromising. It, there's, there's there's more to connect to because we care about these people. We didn't know the people in the cage. Yeah. Well, I mean, we care about Spock. I think we could speak because we care, we about, care about Spock. Spock. Yeah. And how the outcome of whatever is happening is going to affect Spock. Because I, I mean, yeah. I still don't give two whatever is about Pike. No, I think this is really the best way to dispose of him. I I think that it's also in a way a puzzle. Because we know Spock, we've had 10 episodes to kind of get the measure of his character. He is logical. He only makes decisions that are based on logic. Yes. So why is he acting so irrationally? Mm-hmm. I think there is a little bit of a mystery there. And again, if we didn't know, what? I think that yeah. would be really intriguing. Like, why is Spock essentially commandeering the ship? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's committing mutiny, basically. Like, not basically. He is. He, he is. He mutinies. He's definitely yeah. committing mutiny. Yeah. He does mutiny. And then he steers the entire ship towards a planet that is forbidden. Yes. Forbidden. Oh, forbidden planet. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think we need to go through this scene by scene, because there's not really that much, except I want to say that um, I'm when we kind of open, we open on this new starbase, I think it is. Yeah. And I was very glad to see that ugly public art is very much a part of our future. I really loved, loved the Starbase backdrop. It the made me really happy. The matte painting that ever matted. I loved it so much. They that to a wall, and I loved <laughs> yes. it. It made me so happy. I was delighted by that. It looked so naively futuristic. It was so beautifully, classically sci-fi. It was, That's one thing yeah. I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying about yeah. rewatching original series is the classic sci-fi everything about backdrops it. The backdrops that belong on the cover of Analog. Yeah, exactly. The props are so classic sci-fi. And I mean, there's a reason this is classic <laughs> sci-fi, but it's just, it's really beautiful to look at. It is. And I think this is an interesting episode because it's the first time that we kind of see another part of Starfleet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we've been on the ship for a while, but we haven't really beamed down to the more administrative side of things. And we see... Uh, flower brooches as far as the eye can see. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, we, there's a bunch of different. Cause oh, there's we're, flowers. Because if you're familiar with Star Trek, especially the later Star Treks, the, the, the com badges, the symbol is the same for pretty much everybody. It's, the badge at least is exactly the same. It's the sort of the Starfleet Delta and the bar, and some version later on of like the bar. But in classic Trek, we have different versions of the brooch, the badge, depending on like what branch of the service you're it, in. That could be it. That's kind of what I thought was, um, because you know, on the, on the, the ships, they have the traditional symbol that we're used to seeing, but all the Starbase personnel had something different. It's just a way to distinguish different branches, different locations. I also think later on the weird sort of flower sunburst thing gets used for like diplomatic core and stuff like that. Hmm. I And I think that Bones's little funny Delta symbol is slightly different than everybody else's, but I'm not absolutely certain that that's true yet, because later on they do add more detail once they figure out what the weird symbols yeah. and flowers and whatever's mean. It's, it's, it's still at a point where they're kind of codifying what their universe is like, mm-hmm. yeah. so things change. Outfits change, as Kim notices. Oh, yeah. Oh, they change so much. And the brooches change. So brooches. The other thing, so we kind of zoom in on a character called Miss Piper, mm-hmm. who I thought was going to play a really big role in this episode. She does nothing. She does nothing. Nothing. No. 
the episode lingers on her face. Yeah. For ages. Like, she has something to say. Yeah. She has nothing to say. Yeah, basically she comes to, like, meet them at the airport. <laughs> Except in this case, it's meet them at the beam down site near the ugly public art. Uh, she is a space secretary. Yeah. Since everyone has one. But she does have, I have boots and then five exclamation points. Oh, she have good boots? She had really good boots. They were very high. Really? Did they ever actually give her a rank? Or we just miss. miss Well, yeah, but they say Miss Mister often instead of saying rank. So that no, no, she doesn't get a rank. No. She's Miss. She's, she's just a miss. space secretary. Yes. Well, she. I'm just. I'm just curious. No. So the reason why they're going there is that they received a subspace transmission saying that they needed to come to Starbase Two, but womp, 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 uh, they didn't send that. And then Starbase they spend 11. hours dithering about it. Yeah. yeah. Dithering. Did, Did you send you? it? No. Are you did sure? You, did you get a message? Are you sure? Yes, we're sure. Are you really check sure? Check your computer. No, check your computer. No, sir, check your computer. And then there's a lot of arguing about whether it's possible someone could have faked the signal. Um, a side note, though, the Commodore, who is in charge of the Starbase, who is the one being like, what the fuck are you doing here, Enterprise? No one called you, um, is called Jose Mendez. Yes. Uh, which would have been a big, fat deal in the 60s. Yeah, uh, Jose Mendez as played by Malachi Throne, who is also the original... Wait, his name's Malachi Throne? That's gotta be a stage name. I'm pretty sure that's not his real name. No, I don't care. That is glorious. That is an amazing name. That is, like, the greatest name, stage or otherwise, I have... Malachi Throne. Let's just take a moment and revel in that. Okay, one moment. Yeah. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Also the original voice of The Keeper. Oh, really? yeah, and so he kind of reprised his role a little bit because they, of course, they electronically altered it mm-hmm. so that it was a little bit higher. But he was the original voice, which is kind of interesting because we kind of see his face, and he looks nothing like the brain belugas. No, no, no well, because no. you told us that didn't we? Didn't we say the brain yes. belugas were played by women and then the, men dubbed voices, the voices dubbed in. over? Yes, but the most important thing is that we all get our collective revenge on Pike. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know that it was just like. The frame story, so that Gene Roddenberry could like work it in. But I also feel like they this was a direct like f you to. It definitely Jeffrey feels Hunter. that way. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he he literally does <clears throat> nothing for the entire episode but sit in a box with his mouth hanging open. He is a Roomba. He <laughs> Captain Roomba. Yes, he is Captain a Roomba. Roomba. And here's the part that I 100 percent could not understand. So um, Pike was terribly hurt. He's in the intensive care unit. He was doing an inspection of a cadet ship. Who wastes a ship on cadets? Uh, a training academy who's trying to put people into outer space. That makes actually yeah, perfect sense. Yeah, but why not, like, put them into a regular ship, right? And why have just a ship of cadets? Because it's, like, wa- a decommissioned ship that they just use to do maneuvers for cadets. Yeah, if you want to teach your... If you want to have a well-rounded crew, you have to put them in every single position. So you give every... Like, I mean, this... A okay. regular ship. Okay, everybody calm down. This does come up on, like... The Star Trek, the Starfleet Academy novels, you hear about this in Deep Space Nine. They take entire chunks of cadets, assign them all ranks and roles in the ship. So you're the, you're the captain, you're the first officer, you're the chief engineer. Mm-hmm. Shove them on a ship and say, okay, run your ship. I'm also pretty and sure it's a they training do this. exercise. I'm also pretty sure they do this in real life. And here's what happens on your cadet ship. <laughs> yeah. It blows up and there are Delta rays all over. And of course, Pike heroically rescues the children. But at great detriment to himself, he is damaged by the Delta Rays, and apparently which have drastically altered his hair color. Sure. Well, it, okay, the other thing that we need to talk about here is that this is supposed to be 
13 years yes. after. It's a significant period it's of time. It's been a real hard past. 13 years for Captain Pike. Well, yeah, I mean, that's also it. But, like, that was the other thing I found really, really interesting was how they tried, to, like, how they, they set up the timeline for this. Mm. It felt like, I don't know, because maybe because I've seen the cage now. Um, but it just felt really interesting that they had, you know, deliberately put this in the past, like this far in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of them have never even met him. Like, Spock served under him for what, 11 years. Kirk only met him when he basically handed over the ship because Pike was promoted. Yeah, I really, yeah, I like that. Yeah. That, Kirk, that Pike was like, he didn't leave, he didn't leave the ship. He was promoted to, like, what? Fleet captain. Fleet captain. So he was the head of the whole fleet at one point. Which I thought was very interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, because they're sort of like, okay, they're trying to figure out what's going on with the transmission. And then they tell them about Pike, and they go in to see him. And Pike, in his limited, light, flashy way, conveys that he wants everyone to leave him the fuck alone. Which um, is fair, because yep. he now has blonde hair. Yeah. How? I don't know. How? It could just be gray. I don't know. I thought he was just grayish, because he was oh, older. No, he was blonde. Um, but Spock asks if he can stay and talk to Captain Pike for a minute, and Pike Pike, at this point, it should be explained, cannot talk because he's lost the ability to speak in this terrible spaceship accident. All he can do is blink a light two times for no and one time for yes, which obviously, as you can imagine, gives Jeffrey Hunter a lot to work with. It's not Jeffrey Hunter. They replaced him. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, it's not Jeffrey Hunter? He did not, no, because he had different hair color. It's a completely different actor. Oh, interesting. What's the new actor's name? Sean Kennedy. Oh. Yeah. I guess it doesn't really matter. Jeffrey Hunter could not, he had a scheduling complex, so he couldn't come back. Mm-hmm. So they replaced him completely, which is why he is a different person! Oh, okay. See, I didn't even, I didn't even notice that. I thought he just did a really good job with his makeup. That it was just, I didn't notice. To the point where he had a different face. <laughs> anyway, um, but he says, Link wants for Leah, Spock can stay. And Spock immediately sort of goes over to him and he says, I've got a plan, Captain. Oh, no. He says, I've got a cunning plan. <laughs> Does he say my, No, but in my head, this is essentially an episode of Blackadder. <laughs> and Spock has apparently no choice in this. He has to do treachery. He has to do mutiny. And then we kind of fade out. And then the Commodore and Kirk are screaming at each other. Yeah, because they are still arguing about whether the message but is wait, sent. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. We have to go back here because when you've got Spock telling... Pike, you know, I have a plan. We're going to do this thing. It's, you know, Pike is blinking. No, no, no. Constantly over and over again. No, no. And I thought that was a really important part to talk about um, in terms of like you have a man who is going to be completely 100% dependent on people for the rest of his life, who is considered, you know, people are patting him on the head and saying they're there. It'll all be fine. He's expressing an opinion at this point. He's saying whatever you're doing. No, very clearly. And Spock just barrels ahead. <laughs> and the entire episode could have ended it right there with Spock repeat, like, okay, if you don't want, because he's like, I mean, I, Pike knows what's going on. He knows exactly oh, yeah. what's going to happen. I think, well, I think he's Spike, figured it out. Spock walks in and says, I've got a plan. I can get you there. It's only six days away. I know it's mutiny. There's only a few things that he could be talking about. Yeah, mm. I, I figure Pike knows exactly what Spock Plus, is talking it about. It seems like the what happened at Talos is like this big... I mean, it's classified. It's, no one knows about it. Except it's for some higher-ups and the people who were on the Enterprise at that time. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot else that he could be talking about. Yeah. And that, so I found that really interesting that the entire thing is based on the idea that Spock knows better. Spock knows better than Pike what he should do. Pike is saying, like, no, don't risk your career for this. Mm. Don't, you know, don't throw everything away. But Spock's like, nah, you don't know what you're doing. I think he says, I have no choice. But why doesn't he have a choice? I think because he thinks that as the only logical thing to do. 
And the question well, is in this episode, is he doing it out of an emotional place? Which I think he is. I, I think, think he is. I think there is a, the bit where Kirk says, you know, that Spock is loyal, very, very loyal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, do, and I don't, I don't despite, dispute that. Mm-hmm. I think Spock is doing it from a place of, like, a very much a loyalty to, to Pike and affection for his old captain and that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know. It was just a really interesting thing to me in terms of, like, when you think about this, rights of people yeah. who are disabled to make choices. Although, Pike, they're very clear to say multiple times, Pike has full control of his brain. He is still in there. He is still thinking. But because of the limits of our technology, the most we can give him is yes or no. And Pike uses that to say no. Mm-hmm. And Spock ignores it. Mm-hmm. Although it's important to note that near the end of the episode, when we finally figure out what's happening, they do ask him again. And it's almost like this whole thing is just to the point of offering Pike a choice where Starfleet would actually have to really offer him the choice. Like, because from, from the star base, if someone goes, do you want to go back to Talos? Do you want to stay in the chair for the rest of your life? Starfleet would still be able to go, no, you that's not an option for you because it's forbidden. You're here, not a there. But when they're actually in orbit of the forbidden planet, um, I, I, they I, actually it's... would have to get, like, t- like go along with what he wanted at that moment. Like, I really hear what you're saying, Kim, and I think there is an yeah. interesting question. Oh, yeah, it's very difficult, though, to gauge the motivation of Pike saying no, because we don't, he's, like, saying, no, don't risk your career. That's what I thought he meant, yeah. No, don't put yourself in danger. No, don't commit mutiny. going to Talos 4 is a, a death, death penalty. Sentence. Yeah, and the only death penalty. And, like, yeah. and, I mean, Spock is really clear up front, that, like, I've ex- I'm accepting the consequences, and I will do this for you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I felt was, like, Pike was saying, no, I don't want you to do that for yeah. me. That's too far for me. Yeah. So, I, like, so, anyway, I thought it was just, like, a really interesting mm-hmm. thing that we had mm-hmm. to talk about for a minute, but it also kind of I don't know if we want to talk about this now or if we want to talk about this later, but it also it. Um, brings up for me how much choice did Spock have in this? Was they were they going to be taken to Talos regardless? Regardless, because I don't see the other thing that wasn't clear to me on this was did the Brain Belugas contact Spock, being like, "We know what happened to Pike. We'll take him in. We're going to bring you." You get it all ready to go. I certainly think that like, they were involved. So that was my other question about that was not clear on this because like the brain belugas are obviously extremely involved in what is going on because you get the transmission coming into the ship and it's coming from them so there has to be some sort of something some going on between yeah. spock and the brain belugas so that was my other question so is arguably from he's already spock. violated the edict just by communicating with them yeah it's like did he call them did they call him like that was the oh, other huge thing for me that was not clear at all it explained yeah. at all and it was a big it brought in for me like so many questions about Spock's motivation and like if he just like if he had no choice is that why he was doing this and he figured well I might as well just go along with it because it's going to be the best thing in the end did he contact the brain belugas and be like this is a great idea how did it all come about so there <laughs> no that's that's a really good thing to put out there because we do get a sense especially when they start <clears throat> moving towards Talos that yeah they are very much in control yeah absolutely well they're they're in control of sending the transmission but Spock is in control of the ship before that because it's only when they get almost in orbit of Talos that Spock's like they are now in, they are now in control of the ship but we also have to talk about that they provided a fake Commodore Mendez for Kirk. Yeah, that was definitely. But at what point did they? They do said it was fake in the shuttle. 
Okay, from so in the, the shuttle, in the shuttle yeah, all through the court martial, that's fake Beluga Brain Mendez. It's and very real Mendez. I want to know where the split happens because I think it's as soon as he gets into the shuttlecraft because I yeah. don't think the Commodore would have. Why? 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 And well, the way ask, why would you get in? The why are you here? Yeah, and that's. I think the wow. problem is, is that we don't really understand the range of the Colossians. Like, what is yeah. the extent of their power? If it's six hours away, well, they can apparently create a fake person out of your brain. But they can't falsify records, which I found really interesting. Because the next thing after, um, because they're they're in Mendez's office and they're talking about, because obviously the only logical explanation for there being no record of this imaginary transmission. It's a Spock lie. There was no transmission. Spock just said there was. Yeah. There's no record in the Starbase or in the ship. And Kirk's like, that's insane. Not only is Spock way too loyal and honest to do that, but Vulcans can't lie. By the way, later on, we find out that is untrue. Yeah, that was the other thing is the, the harp, constant harping on Vulcans can't lie. Vulcans can't lie. No, Vulcans can lie. They choose not to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, Spock does straight up lie. Oh, oh yeah. he lies. He, he lies his little Vulcan There's some off. amazing duplicitousness in this, though, because I really enjoy his incredibly clever, like, faking voices and faking orders and, and all the pre-recorded messages. Like, he had this planned down to the mat. I was so impressed by this. It was very good. He was very sneaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, except, hang on, for when he snuck into the control room yes. and crouched down to see yeah. behind yeah. the grate that you can <laughs> yeah. see through. Yeah, like, like what? We the can point? see you, Spock. tiptoeing. I can see you. So There's sneaky. also the point where... <laughs> it was his least sneaky thing he did the whole episode. I swear to God, at some point he said the words, <laughs> <laughs> And he comes over and he does a lot of nerve pinches. And then he has this... I'm going to say one of the worst fights in Star Trek, and I'm putting it out there, the one that he has with the technician... Just keep shoving him away. The computer technicians, where instead of, like, nerve pinching him, which he does to the other guy, they engage in a schoolyard tussle, (laughs) where they are shoving (laughs) each other back and forth for control of the computer. Well, I think Spock's trying not to hurt anybody, like he doesn't want to... He nerve pinched the other guy! Yeah, Yeah. but nerve pinching just puts you into unconsciousness? Yeah, why not do that to the other guy? Because he's already already been... He's already seen him. Yeah, but just reach out and pinch somebody. (laughs) Just (laughs) reach out and pinch somebody. Reach out and pinch somebody. And then apparently Spock disposes of the body so that they are never found. (laughs) What? I missed that part! No, that is my conjecture. Oh, okay. He pulls him behind a panel or something. Um... And but, then incinerates the body. The so body. basically what Spock is doing is he is faking orders to the Enterprise, and he is call, he calls up the Enterprise pretending to be Kirk, um, effectively somehow, and tells the with ship... With his tapes, which are his, the blocks. His the tapes. The blocks are tapes. They look yep. more like tiny floppies, actually. Oh, they are they are tiny blocks of wood. Yeah. Well, they're a lot skinnier than the other ones were. They're but he basically, he calls <laughs> up the ship, he says, I'm sending you computerized orders, you can't look at them, you're going to feed them into the ship, and the computer is going to fly us where we're going. What a bizarre chain of command you would have that that is a thing that could happen. Well, he does fake uh, command, like, confirmation from Captain Kirk. So presumably, like, from as far as Uhura and what's-his-face Hansen on the bridge are concerned, this sounds totally legit. Again, what a bizarre structure of command that you could give an order like that. So I'm not going to go on this <laughs> ship, but I'm uh, just going to control the computer and tell you where to go, and, uh... Yeah. That's all you get. Yeah, it was a little... It was weird, and I think people did at some point start to get suspicious. Like... I think they do. Yeah. Well, we do, because um, at this point, we're back with... It's like... Yeah, it's Bones and Kirk, and Kirk is watching Pike on the camera, and he just keeps blinking. He's alone in his room in the oh. hospital in the Starbase, and he just keeps blinking. No, no, yeah. no. And uh, Bones comes in, and Kirk is like, 
could this actually have been Spock? Like, could Spock have actually done this? Um, and this is, Bones is the one that says Vulcans can't lie and Spock wouldn't. And Kirk's like, well, he's half human also, so. Yes. And most of us could go off half cocked. (laughs) (laughs) But not Spock. Um, Bones gets called back up to the ship for a medical emergency. I'm doing your quotes. Can I just say how pissed off Bones is to be called back to the ship? He's like, someone's sick? Fuck them! Someone probably has a hangnail. He was like, they're like, doctor, we need you immediately. He's like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? I have to go do my job? That was hilarious to me. For a doctor, he really hates his job. He really does. He I think it's not give a shit. He thinks that people should be smart enough to not get themselves stupidly injured, and he's always really angry when they do. I think he would much rather just hang out with Kirk all the time because he spends very little that. time in the medical bay and oh, yeah. most of it on the bridge chatting. Yeah. But we've all had that coworker. <laughs> yeah. I may be that coworker. <laughs> Yeah, so Mendes shows him General Order 7. The secret file. The secret, oh, I loved it. Secret file with, it it is the only death penalty left that you cannot go to this forbidden planet. It has an amazing secret seal that you run over and then it clicks open. And then is a number of amazing typefaces, (laughs) all of them different. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I really liked that, that, like, he gives him, he's like, this is the file. It still doesn't answer any questions, but this is the file. Yeah, I think all that it actually says is don't. Oh, no. Don't do it's it. It's very long in a number of typefaces. Like, think back to early 90s when you discovered how many fonts you could put in <laughs> one document. And but it, it doesn't actually explain anything that happened on no, Delos. No, it's just like, don't go here. Don't I, do it. Seriously, I assume, don't do it. I'm, I'm going to just assume that the relevant portion is in there, but it's just typed in wingdings. <laughs> <laughs> Extra code. Yeah, so essentially, um, the ship is going where it's going. Yeah, during this conversation, they they get a report that, oops, Captain Pike's disappeared and the Enterprise is gone. The, that was the other thing that kind of drove me nuts about this um, episode, was the bizarre use of monitors and video surveillance technology. Because you have, for a long while, Kirk staring at this monitor watching Pike. And it's like there's a security camera up in the corner Does with a live feed. like something feed. he should be authorized to do? Yeah. Just spying on the guy? Yeah, and then we also have another point where, later on in the episode, where Spock is just hanging out in his quarters watching Kirk on the monitor as he, like, transports up, and the monitor gives us dramatic zoom. I assume you can control that with, like, a little bit. Yeah. And then yet, at the same time, everyone's like, when they get start getting the um, the re- recordings from the like the the video from the bridge, like, <laughs> like we don't have the technology to do this kind of detail. How cinematic? Like, yes, you do. We just saw two examples, complete with dramatic zoom. Yeah. Sorry, keep moving. That's fine. <laughs> so it turns like the ship is going. People are going. Where are we going? Spock says, "Shut up." Bones oh, comes on the bridge. Says, dubs, "I kidnapped Pike." Oops. <laughs> uh, again, at this point, I was like, "This is a fairly solid plan." Yeah, yeah. it was. Quite, it was a good plan. Yeah, and yeah. he probably wouldn't have brought Bones back on board either if he hadn't needed him to take care of Pike. Exactly. Like, leave everyone apparently that he cared about their careers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then the thing, the other thing was like when, when he brings Bones back on, he even has like a recording from Jim for you. So that he's also like covered in case. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good plan. It was yeah. a very good plan. He thought of everything. Yeah. Except for Kirk being oh, stupid no. enough to Speaking follow. Speaking of bad plans, however, Kirk <laughs> yeah. decides to follow in a shuttlecraft, which we see our first shuttlecraft. Yay! I'm so excited! Yay! It's so cute! Yes. And Kirk is upset that the Enterprise betrayed him. 
And, and also annoyed that Mendez followed him. Yeah, so they're going on a mad road trip trying to catch the giant ship that has better engines than them. Mm-hmm. And they are running out of fuel because, of course, they are. I okay, yeah. point of order. It's supposed to have an ion engine. What the fuck does the shuttle run on that it can run out of fuel? Ionization. I object to this. <laughs> I can carry on now. I just have a problem. Oh, God, that's too bad. But yeah, it just seems like it's another stupid Kirk decision to get into a shuttlecraft that is not actually going to get you where you want to yeah, go. He must have known before they and, set out that they couldn't catch up. Well, there's a point where fake Mendez is even like, this is the point where we either turn back or yeah. we run out of fuel. And Kirk's like, eh, let's keep going. That's the thing. I think he's gambling on the fact that whoever is on the ship, even, but I think he knows that it's Spa. Oh, yeah. yeah. Will pick him up. Yeah. <laughs> because essentially they run out of fuel and then they're just like, well, I guess we'll just, uh. My bro Spock will not leave us to die Sit in here space. and die in Sit space. here until we die in two hours and then we run out of oxygen. Okay. As a plan, it does leave something to be desired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, imagine if Spock were, like, so hell-bent on his plan, he's just like, we are going to ignore the shuttlecraft, keep going, and didn't scan them to see how, like, low their oxygen levels were. It's a bad plan. It is a fairly poor plan, but I think, again, he knows that Spock is doing this, and he still trusts Spock. Well, because he keeps saying... If I was writing a slash fic, that was how I would do it. Well, no, he says, he says that... Spock must have a logical reason for doing this. Yes. He still trusts Spock. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know why he's doing what he's doing, but he still trusts Spock to a point. And of course, Spock does turn. Of course he does. He goes and picks up and picks yeah, up. Yeah, he goes, goes back for his boyfriend, picks him up, picks him up, and then they have a bit of a tip, a very public tip. Yes. Oh yes, I actually really liked this scene because as they stop to pick up the shuttle, Spock basically. Turns yeah. himself in. Yeah, I committed mutiny. And I really like the scene between Spock and Bones because Bones is so baffled. He is so like, what the hell is going on? Why would you do this? I didn't expect this from you. I think he's genuinely upset. Because Spock turns to him and he says, You're the you're the next senior officer, you have to put me under arrest. And Bones is like, wait, what? Well, no, the thing that I liked about this is that Spock handed control of the bridge over to the next senior bridge officer, mm-hmm. and then since Bones was the next command level officer, yeah. he wasn't he wasn't able to be in control of the ship because he wasn't, like, he can't run a starship. But he was the command officer, so he that's who he presented himself to, to be arrested. Poor Bones. And he even called, Spock, he was so considerate, he even called his own security. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they confined Spock to quarters. Poor thing. Um, but even once they get on board, they still cannot get control back of the ship because no, it's still under computer control. At which point, Spock cackles, checkmate, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So they're having a hearing. Mm-hmm. Spock, of course, waves his right to counsel. And at this point, we get into uh, the To Kill a Mockingbird trial <laughs> of the Star Trek universe. Court Marshal, immediately, please. Come at me. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then Spock says, oh, this was... This was another, like, this was just another thing that just proved that Spock had this, like, planned out. So planned. Yes. And so they're like, well, we need three command officers for a court martial. A court martial. Officer superior to Spock, anyway. And and they're like, and Mendes is like, well, there's only me and Kirk. We don't have enough. And Spock says, wah-uh-uh. <laughs> Pike is still on the active duty roster because they didn't have the heart to retire him. Okay, people. That's really... Let's talk about this. Yes. What? I guess by we didn't have the heart to retire him, they mean he's not capable of communicating enough to abuse his power. It was pity. It was pity. Yeah. It was pity. It awful. It's like you've Backfired been... Backfired on them. Yeah, exactly. It was like, you've been seriously wounded. 
Yeah. Oh, yes. oh, we're so sorry. You're you're still important to us. And that's it's just it's it sort of feeds back into my point about mm. Pike's ability to make decisions for himself and treating him like a person who's actually they because they keep saying he's he has full control of his mind, he's thinking in there, but they're not treating him that way. No, they are they are treating him like a child in a box. Well the yeah. Commodore keeps forgetting that he's there. Like, even in the midst of the trial, he keeps forgetting. He's like, mm, but there's three votes, actually. Yes, but the, again, forget everything. Let's focus on the snazzy court-martial outfits that everyone has. Oh, my God. I love this. They were, like, in full-dress uniform. Mm, I love like, the little medals that are just sort of little triangles. Okay. There's tiny bits of fabric that they've pinned on over their breasts. I was a really, really big fan of, like, the glitter piping around their their mm, collar yeah, and everything. That stuck around, too. That was gorgeous. And that they have, like, the bell and yes. flags. Yes. Yeah. It was perfect. I loved it. It's like, okay, what is that awful? I feel like it's a Kurt Russell movie and Ryan Phillippe is in it. And White Squall. White Squall. I've never heard of this. Oh, I've never seen this one. Oh, guys. Guys. Next Friday, White Squall? Yeah, White Squall. It's an amazing, terrible movie, but it does have a court, a court martial scene with the Navy and there's all these flags and the people like, so many chiseled jaws. <gasps> and then, like, the bell rings, and everyone's like, oh, the bell! It sounds delightful. It's amazing. Um, but Spock pleads guilty, and everyone's like, you know, that means the death penalty. And he's like, yeah, but if I plead guilty, you have to listen to my evidence. Which and is when so... the space movie begins. Yes, and then they're like, but wait! This is too detailed, too cinematic, because it clearly is. And I thought that was hilarious. I was laughing so hard. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, that's a great cover for the fact that you're replaying an old episode inside a new episode. Well, Good I mean, job. it's it's impressive. Um, the best part is that someone shouts, "This is a court of space law." <laughs> <laughs> Which, when things start going sideways, I'm going to start screaming. <laughs> Not a theater. There's also a space stenographer. Yeah, well, of course, mm-hmm. of course, of course. Um, so, can I just say that in terms of storytelling, yes. As soon as these flashbacks started, this is where the episode came to a screeching halt for me. I was actually kind of enjoying everything. Well, this is where we started fast forwarding. Yeah. And then it just, it was like hitting a brick wall in terms of interest. And it wasn't just because I've seen it already and I've also- watched it and I really don't like it. It was just, it took me away from what I cared about, which was Spock. Well, it's also, it sort of takes over the, the, the work of pushing the narrative forward by taking us through an entirely separate, well, not separate, but, like, another story. Yeah. And it doesn't, yeah, it's sort of like they give up the momentum to the playback. But I think that would be fascinating. I think it would be I fine if it was new. If I seen the cage, if I, if, this is the history yeah. of the Enterprise. This is the history of Spock. Yeah. This is the history of early, early, early space exploration mm-hmm. and space alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> and also about, like, what captains were like back then. And we are slowly uncovering because we know what, what the, what Spock's motivation is. But yeah. for your viewer who are just seeing it, they wouldn't know. Yeah. And they wouldn't know, like, how, where is this leading? Where is this going? A, why is this planet forbidden? Which we know. Yeah. Um, why is Spock loyal to Pike? Which, yeah. again, that does not answer that question at all. No, it does not answer that no. question at all. Um, and, you know, how did 
how did it come to be forbidden and why is Spock doing this? And it does, it answers all those questions. So I think it's really, really tough for us to separate it out and be interested in it because we hate that episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But also part for me was there was so much just like extra stuff that didn't need to be in there because they were trying to fill time. So I don't think we needed the entire uh, Pike reclining on a bed, I don't want to be a captain anymore, space alcoholism. Do we need, like, it, it just felt like there was too much information about the stuff that we didn't care about, which is what we're supposed to care about is the relationship and the interactions between Pike and Spock. There's it's also probably stuff that they had to use because of contract reasons, like certain people's appearances oh, had no, 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 to be... Oh, no, 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 It was about the length of the script. Oh, that too, yeah. yeah. When they split it, and so there was more of the frame story in the first episode and less in the second. So yeah. they just had to, like, for time they had to edit it in different ways. But I think they included a lot of that stuff because part of what they say about Pike is that you know he was an active, vital man that he had a, a lot kind of to live for and lots of interests and again like in terms of showing us like the different style of being a captain. The flashback is very much focused on Pike. Well, of course it is because that's who the episode was about. Yeah, yeah. ostensibly. Um, but we don't want to talk about Pike anymore. No, um, pr- previous Pike. And. Um. Yeah, we, we come back to the courtroom. Yeah, and it kind of comes back and forth in different parts where they kind of put in um, interjections. But this is also uh, where we find out that this video is coming from Talos. Yeah. Because calls in and she's like, uh, this signal is coming from the Forbidden Planet. The oh, oh, I love how they say this. The one forbidden world in all of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For good points. Those guys are... They're jerks. Uh, they're jerks. But apparently... Really space jerks. Space jerks. <laughs> space jerks. There's also some amazing kettle drum music that happens here. Um, and they, essentially they're kind of arguing whether they need to see that it's happened. And Mendes kind of takes over the ship because Kirk is... Well, because they received a transmission from the Forbidden Planet. Yeah. So therefore Kirk has broken blah, blah, blah. Broken blah. all the laws. And he, the captain is responsible for everything that happens on the ship. So... His career is done. Kettle drum music. Episode two. Then starts this amazing arty intro. Oh, the intro <laughs> oh was gosh. beautiful. Oh my gosh. So it's kind of like, I don't even know, like really indie theater where it's all black and people are just standing, some like in profile, some straight on, some with their back, and they're just kind of talking out different things. Yeah. I love them. I'm guilty. Why? Yeah. Because I'm guilty. (laughs) It was kind of amazing. It was great. And at this point, Spock's like, watch my movie, please. Well, there's a pause. And um, why have the images stopped? And Spock's like, it's because the Tolosians know that Pike is fatigued because he's been injured. And then recording like emails him out. Yeah. Yeah. And that was probably where most of my questions regarding how involved the Tolosians were in setting the entire thing up. It becomes unclear. And who contacted who and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. It is is very confusing. Um, So they go through essentially the entire episode. And there are some kind of interjections, like when the Orion Slave Girl comes off and... I did enjoy that they put a commercial break in the middle of the Orion Slave Girl dance so we didn't have to watch, like, five minutes of that again. <laughs> yeah, although... Still, I, not, I think, still not sexy. Yeah. So... And there's a very bizarre point where the Telosians kind of... Stop. Peace out. They stop showing the episode. And Spock's like, oh, shit, didn't plan for this. But I don't understand why they stop. Well, they stop because they are nearly in orbit of Talos, um, and they can't stop the ship anyway, and 
they sort of need to play for time so that they can actually get the ship within range. Yeah, it was very strange because they they decide to sentence Spock. Yeah. yeah. They find him guilty. Unanimously. Unanimously he is guilty of well, I mean, there's not really he has any... definitely broken. Yeah, it's not really a question. No, no. it isn't really. He's but it was it. just like I don't know. That was weird to me. And they kind of get to the end of the episode finally, where Pike zips away from this planet, going, "Well, that was the best thing." Yeah, I still have a clipboard in space. What? <laughs> and then he has a clipboard. It drives me insane. It drives me insane. Then it drives me insane. Now, but anyways, moving on. Then Spock reveals that it was actually an imaginary Commodore. And so the Well, com- the, the, the Telosians do, because they actually dial them up and they're like, Hi, glad you could make it. Yes. Uh, welcome to our dinner party. Welcome to our dinner party. We wanted to offer Captain Pike a chance to come live with us instead of living, like, just as a space Roomba. As a space Roomba. You can come yeah. down and, you know, everything can be perfect in your little illusion world. Oh. Um, yeah. But... They, they say that they did this whole rigmarole. Including giving you a pretend Commodore. In, including your imaginary Commodore to distract you. Kirk. Yeah. Kirk. To distract Kirk. specifically Kirk. Kirk. Yeah. So, what? Yeah. It, it, it fell apart there. I, mean, I don't think the court martial was planned because the plan was that Spock would take. The no, it was, like, it was part of it was, it was part, of, part of Spock's plan. Well, ultimately, yes, but I think it was a contingency because Pike goes and that and and, and blah, blah blah. He goes to live with the Telosians, and that's the first thing Kirk says. He's like, "You could have come to me and like explained it." Okay, well, this sort no, this sort of brings a thing of like because now that we know that Commodore Mendez from the time he's in the shuttle. Is fake Mendez? Yeah, because they get a call from real Mendez saying so. Under these, so they've been watching this broadcast too, and under these circumstances, the general order, Forbidden Planet, whatever, is rescinded. Yeah, everything's and, cool. And Pike can decide what he wants yeah. to do. Everything's yeah. cool. Do what you want. Yeah, but okay. What was my point? Um, that because why? Yeah. yeah, why? And because they have created this fake Mendez, it doesn't make any sense not to have him be a little kinder. Or a little more, okay, let's see what's going on. I'd like to know what the explanation oh, is as well. And he's so hard-ass about, no, we're court-martialing him. This is going to end. That it, I don't know, is that to make Kirk more, to, to like have something for Kirk to press back on nope. and be more sympathetic? Like, uh, Okay, so Kirk catching up to the Enterprise was not part of the plan A. The plan was that Spock would get the ship, leave Kirk behind, the ship would not be stopped or followed, he would just peace out to Talos... And then offer Pike the choice once they got there, and then I guess accept his court martial and be executed. When Kirk follows him, mm. the Telosians go, "Oh shit, we need to like slow Kirk down." So they give him pretend Mendez, and then Spock has to, of course, go back and pick up the shuttle. And Mendez, from that point on, his purpose is to distract Kirk, distract the crew from getting control of the ship back, so that they can't stop the ship. Everything is with the aim of keeping the ship going towards Talos. The court martial is with the point of keeping the ship going yeah. towards Talos because if they weren't distracted, yeah. they would be able. to... And there is a line where they say the Talosians hmm. knew that you were essentially like bullheaded, yeah, and that you wouldn't stop until you got control yeah. of the ship. And that was part of the thing that I thought that Kirk following them in the shuttlecraft was not was something that they had planned for as a contingency of like this could happen, could happen, and yeah. in that case we'll do this. So it's like I, I think the court martial was like Plan M. 
I don't know. It's it was just in plan M. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Kirk is like, okay, let's talk about this at some point. Your flagrant emotionalism. <laughs> and Spock addresses it. I think completely illogical. <laughs> and then the Telosian head beluga shows up and saying, you have reality. He has illusion. May you find your way as pleasant. Which is the same line that they yeah. used in the cage for Vina. Exactly. Which was line. essentially the exact same yeah. situation. Yeah. Well, except that she was able to kind of talk and walk and it was just that she was ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, that's sort of, it's sort of a very interesting reframing of this because yeah. like, yeah. it's, it's reframing as this is a freedom. I, as, they're, as providing, they're providing yes. Pike a freedom. Um, whereas, the original episode, what Vina was definitely buying into was a form of slavery. Yes. I think we're supposed to understand that by the end of the episode, the Telosians have realized that being keeping human beings in a zoo is wrong, mm-hmm. but they have learned some kind of empathy and respect for Pike because he beat them and he showed them that, you know, you can't keep people who value freedom as slaves... So that we're supposed to understand that he was so respected and they they were so changed by this that it, in fact, is a mercy to send him to this planet. Well, the other thing with Pike as opposed to Vina is that Vina's been living on that planet for, what, 20, 30 years? But when we meet her? It was a long time. A long time. She has no idea how medical science has progressed. She has no idea whether or not they can fix her to Mm -hmm. full prettiness or functionality or whatever. With Pike... We know that there's nothing else they can do. Yes. Yeah. And we know that he doesn't want to live like this because when given the choice, he chooses to go to Talos. Yeah. So yeah, it's very different. He has way more agency, surprise, surprise, than Vina is given in the pilot. I think it's also that Pike is in, again, he is in a a situation that for him is essentially intolerable. He's being treated like a child, um, an object of pity, and he has two modes of communication. And people don't know how to ask him the right questions. Yeah. yeah. No, and I thought that, like, the show did set up, like, they made Pike, like, this is as bad as it can get. That yes. you're, yeah. you're completely unable to do anything and yet 100% still have your mind I think intact. the worst part is that you can't really communicate. Yeah. And that was, I think, I think that's why Pike's illness or whatever it was, was so bad, is to make the choice seem like a very yes, no, black, white, mm-hmm. clear cut. And it does. It seems a mercy. Yeah, yeah. it does. And again, Pike goes into it fully aware of yeah. what his life is going to be like. Yeah. Whereas we don't know that Vina ever really had was offered the chance. Well, she like, lived in isolation for decades, exactly. so it's really she hard to tell. know what life on the spaceship like, could have been if like. She had Pike knows full life, yeah. and he knows what the Telosian, what t- life on Talos is going to be yeah. like, and yeah. he is able, he has all of the knowledge in front of him and is make, able to make an informed choice, whereas Vina doesn't. No, yeah. I mean, if they had, like, taken Vina up to the ship or taken her away and she chose to go back, that would have been different, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's a very different decision on Pike's part. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, and then the last thing that we see is, you know, Spike wheels Pike out the door, and then Kirk is, attention is called back Spike. to the monitor. What did I say? You said Spike. Spike. Oh, my God, I have been fighting Pike, Kirk, and Spock all episode. This discussion has been driving me up the wall. Spock wheels Pike out the door, and then Kirk's attention is called back to the monitor. Mm-hmm. And we see that final shot that grossed us out so much yes. in the cage turned into something positive where mm. Pike and Vina are walking off healthy, young, together, hand in hand. Whereas in the original, the Talosians had given Vina a 
like fake pike, an imaginary boy, an imaginary yeah. pike. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's much a nicer this time. If you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is the menagerie. <sighs> and now we're done watching the menagerie, and we can walk away from the cage forever. Oh, and yes. Ever and ever. I'm just really like. Are we absolutely 100% sure that none of the other series <laughs> recycled any footage from this? I'm pretty sure. I'm, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm reasonably I'm, sure. I, I know I'm actually fairly sure that they don't, but yes. I'm like, I think we're going to still live in fear for the rest of our lives. <laughs> like, there is a new Star Trek series coming. It's they might recycle it. Do the Adventures of Pike. No. no. They wouldn't do that. They said I'm it was sure. a departure. Like, nothing from the other, other series. It'll be fine, Connie. I don't believe it. Okay. Dear producers of New Star Trek, do not take the menagerie and use it anywhere again. Please, please, please. For the love of Pete. So no one died in this episode. No. No. We learned nothing. Yeah. Nothing. No. no. I mean I mean it has some interest like we've had a couple of interesting discussions about some morality things and that's about it. There was like it was it was filler. But, I mean, for a filler episode, I think it did... For a Clips episode, that's what basically what this is. Yeah. It's a Clips episode. For a Clips episode, I think this did a pretty solid job. Again, having... If I had not seen The Cage, yeah. I would have been into this. Yeah. I think I would have, too, if I had not seen The Cage. But having seen The Cage, it has definitely clouded my opinion of this and that I like. I don't want to have anything to do with no it. No more The Cage. No more Cages. Yeah, and I think that's a really great note to end this on. As McCoy says, Cage is a Cage. That is true. Today's podcast is recorded on location at the Inspiration Labs in the Vancouver Public Library Central Branch, third floor.